The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. We've got a great show tonight. I'm really excited to have Kelly Coffee with us. She's a returning guest, also a renowned psychic. She believes everyone's able to achieve this level of awareness if they're willing to unblock themselves. And she's following her life's mission in helping humanity let go of whatever stands in their way of achieving this. Kelly, welcome back to Beyond Reality. Great to have you here tonight. Well, thank you for having me back. The uh, honor is mine. Yeah, the, you sound like you might be getting over something. You doing okay? <laughs> yeah, um, I live in Breckenridge, Colorado, and I live on top of a mountain at about 11,000 feet, and it's typically like three below zero, nine below zero, you know, consistently, and I just got caught outside a little bit too long, uh, breathing the cold air, and I think I freeze or burned my lungs oh, uh, nice. in the process. Nice. <laughs> but you're feeling okay, just, though. But you're feeling okay, just, though. Oh, I, I feel great. I feel great. I just... I. I didn't notice how bad I sounded until you said something. <laughs> you don't really sound you don't really sound that bad. I was just uh, picking on you a little bit. You know, in this age uh, of of everybody panicking over coronavirus, you know, um, uh, any any little sniffle and everybody's you know everybody's senses go up. You know what I'm talking about? Well, um, I am seeing a panic when I do my YouTube videos to uh, get in what I call the God bubble to look down at all this and go, "Hey, I created it." You know, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die. But um, if you look from, I don't know, it's been for a long time, but if we start in, like, the year 2000, you can see that every year pretty much consistently there is some type of scare or some type of, type of diversion. And not to belittle or anyone, you know, dying or losing their life over something, but we're talking about 3,000 people. You know, when there's you know, 24,000 people that die a day of starvation. So when you look at these statistics, you see that there's an agenda involved in this. Well, I, I'm glad you said that. I, I do have to comment on a couple things. I've seen the statistics compared with things like how many people die in auto, automobile accidents. You just mentioned starvation. The difference with all that stuff mm-hmm. is it's not, conti- it's not communicable. It's not, I don't have to worry about you know, walking through an airport and, and, and being in a car accident or dying of starvation, but I do have to worry about somebody giving me a disease I don't know they have. So that adds a level to this this concern. However, I think you're right about this uh, conspiracy idea or there's something going on behind the scenes because I'll tell you what, based on what I've heard and what I've seen, it mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't seem like something that should be too scary. Yet the governments around the world are acting as though this is the zombie virus and we're all doomed. That's quite a disparity between what seems to be the case and how these governments are responding. So I think there's something else at play here. Um, absolutely. And if I do a lot of remote viewing and we remote view the coronavirus and it looks very kind of like part technology, uh, part biology. And it looks like a two part system where you have to have one, one thing, uh, present in your body, uh, potentially, let's say a vaccination. You, You have that in your body and then they spray something over you. Uh, and the two things together activate, and, wow. and you've got something going on. I also see very race-specific uh, vaccinations, where a population will get vaccinated, and a certain race gets sick, 
And then when it spreads to the other places, it's pretty much someone who has that race, you know, in their DNA somewhere <laughs> that gets the stuff. I, I, I see that. I mean, I'm not an expert in this. I just look at the research. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've, I've never uh, had a vaccination from birth on. I've never had a vaccination, so this stuff doesn't bother me at all. And if you look from the vantage point of the God bubble and, like, hey, I created all of this, I created all of this scare, you know you designed this well. So if you were meant to die with the coronavirus, you're going to die with the coronavirus. You know, if that's what you chose for a life before you got here. So stuff like that doesn't stress me out. It's like, hey, if I die... That was my way to go. But I have to, I have um, to, I have to ask you about this. When you say you remote viewed the coronavirus, are you saying uh-huh. you remote viewed the source? Like you went to where it originated in remote viewing, or you're actually looking at the virus itself? The, the virus itself. Um, I'm on Patreon, uh, Kelly and the Raw on Patreon, mm-hmm. and that's a small group that I like to uh, work with and teach them how to remote view and get better at the at the target. So this is something that we did one day is just uh, remote view the, the coronavirus. What does it look like? How is it behaving? What's the energy that comes from it? It doesn't seem to be complete in and of itself that it needs another, uh, so, you know, something else some, added to it for it to work properly. Some type of so catalyst we, we, or something? A, uh, a catalyst well, of some I, kind? Like you said, maybe even genetic catalyst? Like Yeah, like a catalyst. I mean, there's so much stuff. In the vaccinations, um, like people in the military, I see a lot of times that they will just, you know, be experimented on basically while they're in there. And then when they get out, uh, you just kind of set the clock. Whenever they had those shots, there are cancer. Uh, they basically give you cancer and they put uh, a timer on it that it won't release or it won't do its, its thing, you know, for 10 years or 15 or 20. We're talking tonight with Kelly Coffey. By the way, her website, and she actually has a couple. One is Kelly Coffey, and Kelly's with an I, kellycoffee.com. Also, you can go to alwayscookwithlove.com. Both of those are Kelly's websites. We'll be right back. We've got a lot more ahead. It's Beyond Reality. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, um, you know, we've had people on the program that have debated the vaccination issue a lot. You say that you've never had a vaccination. I mean, obviously, as an infant, uh-huh. you weren't aware of this stuff. Uh, so were, did your parents decide at that point not to have you vaccinated? I, I was born uh, with holes uh, between the chambers of my heart. Okay. So because of medical reasons, uh, the doctor thought it would not be a good idea to risk uh, giving me vaccinations that there's a potential that I could die uh, from them. So that's, oh, wow. that's pretty much what started it. And then through some of the methods that I used to help people heal themselves, I healed my heart. And then it became a choice after that. And I just chose not to because the people my age that got all those vaccinations, they've got all kinds of stuff going on with them right now. Mm. So uh, I'm like, I, 
I don't have to deal with all of the things that they have to deal with. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about vaccinations as a whole. I have to say that clearly things like the polio vaccination and smallpox vaccine, you know, there are certain things that have shown to be very, very beneficial. So it's hard to argue mm-hmm. against that. However, I think we've become a society of vaccinations whereby they're just continually, continuously sticking needles in people's arms. And I think it's because of the mm-hmm. money involved more than anything else at that point. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of, my jury's out a little bit for me. Yeah, I, I ran a school. Uh, I was a director of a, a private Christian school, and we specialized in kids that were like ADD, ADHD, dyslexic, high-functioning autistic kids. So we would get these autistic kids in. And some of the parents, I, I got to observe all of this. This was really cool. Some parents did some therapies that basically took all the heavy metals out of their child's body, whatever, um, you know, method you choose, there's lots of them out there. And I saw basically a miracle happen. This child that couldn't communicate with the world started communicating with the world. So I saw more than anything, they were incredibly toxic. Uh, And then the diet uh, had a lot to do with that as well, uh, with with their symptoms. I don't know if you would say they lost their symptoms of autism, (laughs) but, but the more that their body was cleaned out, and the, the diet was changed to a very clean diet, you know, vegetables, fruits, all, all that good stuff. Uh, it was a dramatic change. So, it you know, more and more it looked like, as I researched the, the uh, vaccinations, that it contained the stuff that they were getting out of these children, and they were doing better. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's no question. There are a lot of things in vaccinations that would be considered poisons in any other use. And uh, it's kind of hard to justify why those things are in there. It seems as though there's, I, I kind of look at it as a mixed bag. There's obviously a value in the concept, but the way they're administering this stuff seems to be a bit dangerous. But this is obviously not mm. what we were going to talk about tonight. Yeah, and while we're here, <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, where did this thing get Yeah, so we, got on, we got off on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's bring it back home. You know, you are, um, you know, have a lot, of, a lot of abilities. You're a psychic, you are a remote viewer, you're an energy healer. You've done a lot of things and you've got a lot of uh, um, sensitivities, no better way to put it. How did all that start for you? When did you start become aware of those sensitivities? Ooh, well, I was born uh, with it. I'd always uh, seen and known and, and all of that uh, from as far back as I can remember. And then uh, just being brought up in a very religious uh, household, as I told my mom, I mean, I didn't tell anybody else because I thought everybody did this, <laughs> yeah. but I would tell my mom. And she didn't understand what was going on. She went to the pastor. Pastor told her, hey, um, this is a gift. It's just a very rare gift. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> so, so I grew up with this. And like any ordinary person that has a heightened level of awareness, you are aware of the stronger vibrations first. And those are very negative, like plane crashes, people dying. So I was bombarded with all of that. Um, now I help and counsel people who are going through the same thing. But as a result of this, I, I shut everything down. I blocked myself uh, from all of that. And then later on, uh, uh, the short version is, uh, through the help of a friend, I unblocked myself, and I started seeing it. And then I saw, oh, my gosh, everybody can do this. All you have to do is unblock yourself from whatever is in between you and, and this information. 
You say, you know, before you blocked yourself, you were being bombarded. How were those uh, messages coming to you? Were they visions? Were you? Would you be sitting in school or something and you'd get a vision? Uh, yeah, not specifically in school, but it, it would just randomly happen. I didn't have any control over it. it suddenly, I would know a plane would crash or was going to crash and how many people were going to die and the flight number and yeah i would know all all of that stuff it would just suddenly come to me the knowledge and i would also see images in my mind you know whatever word you want to put to that yeah so they would just come to you and they'd come randomly you had no control over it at that point and then you learned to block it or you decided to block it was that something you had to actually sit down and consciously do or were you just able to turn it off like a switch well, at the time, I didn't understand what was going on, and the person that I kept getting information about was my father, and I would, it'd be like, oh, he's about to die, so I'd call my mom, I said, watch him, something's about to happen, get into the hospital immediately if you see something happening, because she trusted me, because I kept telling her accurate information through the years, she trusted me and watched him, and then got him to the hospital, you know, so that was like a, a five-year ordeal before he died. And and it was just so traumatic for me because it's someone I loved and and I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to know when people were going to die anymore. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't want to, want to have anything to do with it because it was just torture. Yeah, uh, knowing this information. Yeah, that has to be. That's got to be unsettling. Um, sometimes you know it's better to be ignorant about certain things, and that might be one of them. Um, you're a psychic, but you prefer to be described as someone who has a higher level of awareness. What does that mean, and why do you prefer that? Well, because um, psychic, everybody has an idea in their mind of what a psychic psychic is, and they've got their own definition, and they've kind of, like, made up their minds. So it's a label instead of uh, describing your ability to access um, all of creation or everything that exists. And when you're able to do that, because remote viewing to me is uh, when you can remote view, it doesn't matter if it's the past, the the present, the future. You can remote view with your nose or your ears, your taste or your smell, touch, temperature. You can remote view with with all of these. And uh, there's no limit uh, when, when you do that. I teach people to, like the military. Um, I worked with the military because I'm like, why are they only able to see a snapshot? That doesn't make any sense. They see a snapshot, they see it quickly, then they have to kind of memorize it and and deal with that. When when I remote view and teach people to remote view, they see in real time, like you're making a movie or watching a YouTube video, uh, like like in real time. So the military, um, they were using methods that were inside of the reality. Uh, inside of the illusion or the matrix or whatever you call this thing that we're doing, the, the, the hologram. So they were trying to find pathways through it to get to information. There's lots of roadblocks. Do not enter. There's all, all drama. It's called drama in the illusion. So when you get in the place, uh, that place called imagination is you as God, if you want to think of it that way. And if you want to think of it in the shape of a bubble, you as God are the potential to be something. And everything that exists that you created is on the edge of your bubble. So instead of thinking you're the avatar in this illusion, trying to access information from a piece of technology that's that's hard to to deal with, 
you get in the God bubble where you as God, the potential to be something, you create everything as you go along. And you just look on the surface of your bubble and go, oh, there's that information right there. And you can access anything in all of creation without limits in this place. Is everyone capable of this? Um, everyone has the uh, hardwire or the basic equipment or technology in place to do this. Uh, there are a tremendous amount of blocks, fears, programs, cords, trauma. All of this creates uh, an inability to access that, in, uh, that information because there's a block in the way. So when I work with people, we work in higher dimensions, moving energy around so it only takes seconds to do something. And then they clear their energy field. Like like the New Age and all of that, there's a, a, a concept of, hey, let's, not, let's only think about positive things. Let's not get anything out of our body. Let's line it up. Let's balance it, you know, minute by minute at times because it's not a natural system. So that's kind of what everybody's used to is manipulating energy. Uh, when I work with people, I help them to get rid of all of that stuff. Do not replace it with anything. That's one of the New Age concepts that can, keeps you trapped inside of this. Don't replace it with anything. And then it's a letting go and allowing technique. Now you allow everything in your energy field, your body, whatever you're working with, to go back to its natural factory settings, and then it heals itself. So are we effectively taught to turn these things off? Oh, yes, yes. And ultimately, if you want to think of it this way, you're God that created all of this. You wanted to have a really difficult lesson. <laughs> you, you wanted to make this video game harder. Uh, so so that it would be fun to play, because easy games are, are not all that fun. So ev- everything in here is something that you created. So in, instead of just, hey, I'm just, everything goes my way, I throw um, myself as God, uh, you, you as well throw uh, brainwashing into all of this, throw a system of education that, you know, mostly tells you the opposite of what the truth is a society with certain belief systems. So all these things are put in there to create all of these blocks, including chakras and all, all kinds of stuff in the way. So you're, you as God that's playing this video game, <laughs> but winning basically is realizing that you're in a video game and it has no power over you. That's kind of how you win this game. Mm. Some people call it ascension. I just call it a higher level of awareness. You're aware of things on a much higher level. That's why you talk to dead people. From your avatar, it's at a higher level. <laughs> you um, so, you say this is your life's mission. You've you've decided this is what you were meant to do. Uh, why do you think that? And well, why have you made it? Your, it? Why have you made it your life's mission? It's probably a better mm-hmm. question. Okay, so I guess from the avatar point of view, um, it doesn't look like I've made it. I mean, that's getting in the avatar and deciding I'm going to do this. Right. And it might not be what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So when I died 10 years ago, popped out of my body, had awareness of everything uh, that existed, I, I realized I forgot what I came here to do. And I got way off track. You know, it's all about how pretty your hair is and are your shoes pointed or, or squared off at the toe. <laughs> That's kind of where I was. And I was like, oh, my gosh. 
I, I didn't do anything here that I was supposed to be doing. So when I got back, it, it's not really a choice. It doesn't feel like a choice at all. When you have knowledge on that level, you cannot go back to pretending and playing or anything like that. So I realized maybe a vocabulary word to use would be a mission, uh, what I came here to do, what I was meant to do. So I'm in that I'm like letting go and allowing, uh, letting go and, uh, and just allowing this adventure to unfold in front of me and, and let the universe if, or whatever you want to call it guide me in all of yeah, this. Yeah, well, that was, my, that was my next question. If you have a mission, if this was your mission and, and what you were meant to do and all of us have a mission and have something that we're meant to do, who decides what that is? It's on a higher level. Ultimately, you as God created all of this to be played out this way. But you, also, you as God created all of these characters that are on a level above uh, the avatar that's kind of in charge of that. You wanted to know what it felt like to make all these decisions from above, and you also wanted to know what it felt like as God to get in this creation and figure out what it feels like from the avatar level to think you're being crapped on and it, everything's horrible. And I didn't decide this. This was decided for me. You, you wanted to play all the role, roles to see what it would feel like. You mentioned your near-death experience where you came out of your body. That was in 2010. Tell us what happened. Um, I had my wisdom teeth removed, and it was a horrible experience. I got dry sockets, so I did not eat for several days. So it was a combination of medication I was taking and someone trying to help me, shoving caffeine <laughs> on top of all of this. And my body, I think it just didn't have enough calories to keep breathing, uh, is my best guess. Um, so when, when it happened, I had someone beside me. And I said, you know, hold my hand. <laughs> and because my automatic breathing stopped. If I took a breath, I had to figure out what muscles to use to raise my chest and to take in a, a breath of air. It's very strange when that thing shuts down. So I'm like, okay, I'm dying. I'm falling into a hole. Um, my breathing has just stopped working. So I held his hand, and then I took a breath out, and then my body just did not take another breath in. And this um, tunnel, it looked like a piece of technology, and inside the tunnel that opened up from a small amount and got bigger, it looked like snow on a television, like when the station goes off the air. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you could tell it was a, a type of technology. There was a blue being, a blue light being to the right. I've interviewed uh, people who were nurses who can see into other dimensions, and they see uh, with almost every person that dies, there's a blue person there to help them into the tunnel. Uh, one guy, there was a red guy there. <laughs> so that's another story. But the blue guy was there just beckoning me, come this way. This is the way to go. Come to me. The blue guy. Come this way. Yeah, the blue guy was standing there, like, doing with his arms, like Vanna White, like, directing <laughs> me into the tunnel. And, and I was just being pulled, I guess, by a tractor beam. You realize you don't have a body anymore. You're just basically energy at that point. You're looking around. You see all the dimensions. I mean, you get to see into everything when you come pop out of these bodies. And what really surprised me, it's like, wait, this stuff is right here beside me. <laughs> Everything is happening in all these dimensions in the same place. It's interesting. I mean, I was looking around. 
uh, being pulled towards the tunnel, and uh, there was no pain. All the pain I had was gone. It was the best descriptive word I can tell you is bliss. I was in the white light. Everything was made of light. The white light is love and consciousness. It, it was an incredible feeling, and it felt what I called normal. It was like, oh, finally, I'm back here, you know, after that crappy vacation yeah. is, how it, is how it felt. And dying is more of, I would describe it more as waking up into the next level. Because when you first start to go in there, you're like, what the frack is going on? What is this? And then you start to um, open up to more and more and more and have awareness of more and more and more till it's what I would call fully awake. You have full awareness of everything that exists at that point. So when I was almost to the tunnel, I had full awareness. And the blue guy, he changed what he was saying to me. He said, it's your time to go. And then something just said, no. <laughs> I, just, I told him, no, it's not my time to go. I've got to go back. And I, I was thinking, you know, do I have to punch this guy in the nose? Yeah. I, how am I going to get back to my body? And without effort at all, just because I said no, which tells you a lot about how the universe works, <laughs> uh, I said no. I started to go back down to my body. Hmm. And then the person that was there when I stopped breathing, I started to hear them again. And I was getting closer to, I guess, what you would call the reality bubble, the edge of the reality mm-hmm. bubble. Mm-hmm. So I passed through a membrane. I popped out of the membrane when I left, and I passed through a membrane when I went back into my body. So, and I was hearing, Kelly, breathe. Kelly, breathe. You know, screaming and yelling uh, is what I came back to. And then when I, or my awareness, got back into the physical three-dimensional avatar body, it felt like I weighed a 1,000 pounds. It felt like a train hit me. Wow. It was it was so different than weightlessness, or I don't even know what to call it, levitating, just not having a body. Well, you were, you were, you were free of all the physical uh, restrictions that uh, in a, being in a physical body place on us. Yes, now, oh, a lot absolutely. Of, a lot of people, and, and I chose to come back. Yeah, a lot of so people. I, I just, a lot of people mm-hmm. who experience something like, like this. Uh, have just the opposite reaction. They don't want to come back, and and they seem to be forced to go back. But you you decided to come back. Yes, and for two years, I could not figure out why in the world I came back. I was so mad at gravity. I was so angry at gravity. It, it was horrible uh, when I came back. So I was very upset about my decision for a while uh, to, to come back. <laughs> so, yeah. But now... Now I'm really happy about it, really happy. But, yeah, it's it's hard for me to find anybody so, who chose to come back. Once you came back, things changed for you. What changed physically, and what changed in your sensitivities? Ooh, um, I could see better. I had perfect vision. The light did not bother me. Um, it's almost like I had this, this huge upgrade in, in my body. Uh, because I touched the everything, I had an awareness of what that was like and what it felt like. So then I was able to get out of the physical avatar easily and go into all of these areas that I had exposure to when I died. So I've been on a quest, I guess, ever since the last 10 years of uh, taking people on tours of this place, remote viewing, um, helping them to reach these places 
that that I went to, uh, helping them to access all the stuff I accessed. Be- because how this reality is put together, you find out when you're out of this body. So when you come back, you're able to manifest whatever it is that you want. And you still obviously feel all of those effects, and your sensitivities were heightened. And I hear that story very often too. Uh, we, you know, we talk to a lot of people who have psychic sensitivities, and many times those sensitivities were either triggered by or enhanced by some type of out of body or near death experience, and uh, it, it really changes everything. And I find that fascinating. It it was because you know what's going on. It's a knowledge. It's not a belief anymore. Well, when I die, what happens? I don't know. And but I I've done it, and it's like oh, okay. So now I know what's going on. I know this is a video game and a hologram that we're playing. So when I go back into it, I don't take it very seriously. I lost my sense of fear. Every fear possible, fear of talking in front of people, being on YouTube. That's when I got out and was on television, YouTube, because I had no fear. Yeah, There was nothing that was holding me back there. It kind of got me in trouble sometimes. Does that mean, does that <laughs> so mean, I had no fear. did you fear death prior to this, and do you fear death now? Um, I, I did fear death because I wasn't sure mm-hmm. about what would happen. And I heard scared religious people telling me all kinds of horror stories. Uh, about dying and all these rules and all of that and and when I died, it was like, wait a minute! I stopped going to church and said I don't want to have Jesus in my heart anymore and I'm not in hell. Hmm, I'm gonna rethink this. <laughs> so when I came back, I couldn't play religion anymore. Mm-hmm. Religion didn't make sense. Religion appeared to be a place of fear. And when I was out there, I encountered this place that I believe they're calling heaven. And it looks like it's a cube that stores souls and, and spirits, like a, a storage box. So I started to see where, wait a, wait a minute, these beliefs and these practices and, and the things that you believe here on this planet, um, that, like here to manifest, there's always a delay in getting an outcome. When you get out of these bodies, what you think happens immediately. There's no delay at all. It's like, um, oh, a unicorn, and there it is. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. There's suddenly a monster there. So if you're holding on to this reality during the death process, and there's a lot of fear and holding on, then when you get into a place where you instantly create, you're going to create what some people call a hell. And if you're like, everything's great, and you go over there, you, you continue to create, but you create instantly on the other side. So you create a beautiful place that you go to. Everywhere you go, you create it. Hmm. Um, Arlene in our chat room wants to know if you still see the blue man when you do things like remote view or other types of, uh, you know, reaching out astrally or into other dimensions. Mm-hmm. I, I have remote views because I'm like, who the heck are you? What are you doing? Um, you know, what name can I give you? So I looked at them, and I'm like, show me where you are. Show me where you live. And the place uh, that it took me to, some people would call it Lemuria. Some people would call it the Garden of Eden. Some people would call it Mu. Some people would call it the Crystal City. It it goes by different names. So um, pretty much that's the place where the blue guy came from. 
and it's just part of the process of um, helping all these other souls and entities. So I have to uh, I have to ask you this, and I don't mean to put you on mm-hmm. the spot with it, but I just find this curious because if you you had this experience, you you met and had an interaction with what you call the blue man. Obviously, some mm-hmm. other type of spiritual being, some in another plane, uh-huh. in another a, a light being, uh-huh. a, a light being. What? Um, yet, uh, I'm hearing you say that you don't, you know, you don't buy into religion. Um, I'm assuming uh-huh. you don't buy into a uh, a singular god. Um, but I have, I've, I find a little bit of disparity in there. If you're running into spiritual beings in a near death experience, can can you help me understand that a little better? Um, uh, like when this body died, I went on to the next level. Uh-huh. So, um, as far as a singular God, if you give it a name like God, it's not God because it's something God created. If you're able to name it, so I don't know how to describe yeah. ultimately what is I, I'm calling the ultimate God because that is basically nothing, a void, uh, the the potential to be. You know that's that's what uh, God is. Uh, the the religion, the part I did not like is the fear and the inability for the people in the religion to see into the other dimensions like I could, and they were sitting there trying to dictate all the stuff that they couldn't see and they didn't know anything about, mm. and they're trying to tell me that it's one way and I'm seeing another. So that's the problem I had with religion. So it's it's the organized religion in the sense that you've got people telling you how to worship, how to believe, how to think, um, more so than the belief in a spiritual plane. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't worship because worship is giving your power away to an entity. And if I'm God and I created all of this, then it doesn't worship doesn't even make sense. Can worship also it, be showing gratitude for your blessings that may have come from a higher power? Like, when I see people actually worshiping and I watch their energy flow, uh, it is a feeding of an entity that's on a lower level than they are. That's why you have to give it power, give it energy, give it love, give it gratitude, or, or whatever it is. It's, just, it's a misdirection. See, there, there's a system out there. Like, I talked to Jesus, the real Jesus. Well, I got really mad at the church, so like, you're lying to me, and I know it. I don't know what you're lying to me about, but I know you're lying to me. So I rejected it all. And and then, you know, I'm like, let me see if there is a Jesus. Uh, so I remote viewed, and, oh, holy crap, there was a Jesus. And and I talked to this, this Jesus uh, figure, and he was like, I'm not what you think I am. And then he changed into all these different deities you know, that you see around the world mm-hmm. and changed into all of those. Uh, and he gave, gave me a few other messages as well. But then I saw, like, this Jesus thing not necessarily being a man that's the focal point for all of this, but a golden energy. And the flow of this golden energy, some people call it Christ consciousness. So, and then when you go into the upper realms, you're going, oh, it's golden energy. Sit in it. Wow, it's great. When it projects into the hologram, it projects a man, Jesus. And that's the detail and that's the drama from the energy above that programs the drama below. We're talking tonight with Kelly Coffey. Kelly is a psychic, a remote viewer, an energy healer. 
and much more. And um, Kelly, again, thank you for being here. I want to ask you, and I, I do this at the peril of chat hearing this because they're going to have a field day with me just saying this, but tell me what uh, Kelly in the Raw is. Oh, um, Kelly in the Raw is my YouTube channel. And I started it uh, in 2009, and then YouTube hired me uh, about six months later. Oh, wow. Well, hired you to continue what you were doing? Yeah. YouTube used to be a lot different yeah. when I first started. Right. I was on television. I was hosting travel shows on television. And then uh, it was kind of like if you're going to advance anymore, you're going to have to sleep with a bunch of nasty old men. Ooh. Uh, to further your career. So I just went to bed and cried that my career was over. Nice. And then somebody said, hey, there's this thing called YouTube. Have you heard of it? You know, they don't censor you. So I got on YouTube. I got really popular. And then YouTube hired me. They hired so all of the original ones oh, wow. were hired. Now they just monetize videos. Yeah. Oh, that's that's cool. And, yeah. and so they trained me and, uh, and I did that. So like for the first six months, I was like number one on uh, fashion or, you know, style and beauty. I can't remember the category. They changed it over the years. Uh, so, you know, cutting hair, um, doing fashion, makeup, and all that. I was on the trending pages. So, and then six months into that is when I died. Mm. And it was like, and it, that's what changed everything. My channel changed. Instead of getting half a million videos, uh, you know, half a million views per video um, overnight on the ones that I was doing, I would get like 3,000 views mm. on a video when I was talking about the, the spiritual stuff. But it was um, it was what I was supposed to be doing. So the topic is what the difference was in how many views you were getting. Is that what you're saying? Uh, true. And to be popular on YouTube, YouTube has to want you to be popular. Right. You don't accidentally get popular on YouTube like everybody thinks. Right. Happens. So now for the average person that wants to get on YouTube and become famous, I'm not going to say it's impossible, uh, but it's corporate owned now. And unless you're, you know, a corporation, you're basically not going to get in and they're going to suppress your videos. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean, yeah. I haven't been involved on YouTube for very long, but in the short time that I've been involved, I've already seen many changes and it is becoming increasingly corporate. Um, let's talk. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about other dimensions because you have the ability to see into other dimensions. Tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, other dimensions is kind of like a local thing. Um, I have the ability to see in all of creation uh, at, at one time, and this is what I teach people how, how to do. If you think you're the avatar, you know, as God, you create this avatar, you put your awareness in it, uh, you might start to think that you are the avatar, and you look up, you see higher dimensions, you look down, you see lower dimensions. And it's a very limited system. But if you put your perspective in that place called imagination, in your God bubble, you have access to everything in all of creation. So it doesn't matter what it is. If you as God created it, you can access it uh, from that place. I consider myself to be one of the least sensitive people when it comes to these types of (laughs) psychic sensibilities. I I don't feel like I have any ability to connect with any of these planes, dimensions, ideas, feelings. I can't talk to the spirit. I I mean, I feel like I am completely turned off. That switch in me is completely turned off. How does someone like me change that? Um, 
I do a 30-day manifestation challenge, and it's a a six-weeks program. You're in there like Monday through Friday. And during that program, I work with people and I work with energy sessions also uh, to look and see what it is that's keeping you from doing that. And then it's a process of letting go and allowing uh, that after that. So um, some people, for the choices that they they chose to, to come here, they might choose to, like, have blocks their entire life because that's what, what they want to live out. And if that's the case, you're really never going to see anything. So, and the more you try, the harder it is. It's not trying, it's letting go and allowing, and that's why it's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Letting go is the most difficult thing for me to do with anything. <laughs> I just don't let anything mm-hmm. go. Um, and, 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 you know, and sometimes I think you said it before, you know, in, in when early on you did not want to um, know when people were going to die. There were things you did not want to know. And this, that's a case mm-hmm. of ignorance is bliss. And I feel like in my case, I might just not want to have I just may not want to know these things or see these things or talk to these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the cool thing is, I guess from my perspective, it's like I got, I'm God. I crea- created all of these characters, including the characters that don't ever want to do that. And and that's okay. Nobody has to be forced to do it. But you as God, you're, you're going from every angle to have experiences, and, and that's just one of them. So with me, I work with people that are already waking up. I don't try to coax people in, wake up, you're not ready, but yeah. let's go. You know, I don't do stuff like that. I get people who are like, oh, my gosh, I see stuff every day. I don't know how to control it. You know, what, what do I do? And I help them get control over all of this so that on purpose they're able to not just experience the lower uh, stuff that's kind of yucky, uh, but the higher stuff as well, and they can pick and choose. Are these other di- control? Yeah, mm-hmm. are these other dimensions that you can see? Are they physical dimensions or are they spiritual dimensions, or is there no distinction between those two things? Mm-hmm. Well, you've got like the third density and the third dimension, the fourth density, the fourth dimension. So the density part. It's kind of, if you want to say the physical part and, and how it feels, you know, the, the lower the density, the more solid it feels. The higher the density, like the less solid it feels. And then you've got like the third dimension, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth dimension, the eighth dimension. These are mental constructs, the dimensions. They're mental so, constructs? You can be in the third density in the avatar, and then you can allow your mind uh, or your imagination go to the fourth dimension, mm-hmm. go a dimension higher and have those experiences while you're still physically in the third density. What's the advantage to doing this? Um, I don't know. I used to I used to play around with all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just very confusing. I was following other people's rules and and uh, the purpose is, I guess, whatever, what anybody wants. If they want to have a better avatar experience, if they want to get out of their avatar, um, you know, what, whatever it is, I help them clear the blocks uh, to, to getting there. Everybody usually wants something, <laughs> and, uh, and I help them uh, to get there. Um, I don't think it's for everybody. Everybody's capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they are or they should, because it might be 
something that they can't handle. And I'm not going to be here and dictate and try to force anybody to do this. But if it's something you want to do or you're in the middle of it and don't know how to control it, that's where I step in and help. We're talking tonight with Kelly Coffee. by the way, her website. which Do you prefer one of the websites over the other? Is there a reason to go to one versus the other? Uh, yes, we, we separated them for a reason. I've got 10 companies uh, with, with a, a bunch of products. So on uh, kellycoffee.com, I have my sessions and everything to do with the spiritual, my 30-day manifestation challenge. And we have a free workshop coming up on March the, the 10th. Excited about that. So that's where all of that is parked. And then I've got uh, coffee and spices. I've got a spice company, a coffee company. That's on Always Cook with Love. And I wanted to keep them separate. Uh, The people that know me as a spiritual person are okay with everything. But if someone maybe is not okay with the spirituality, they're just going to find that it's the world's best coffee and it's got a cool uh, bag that it's it's in. (laughs) And and I want to buy it and I don't care who makes it. So I kind of wanted to have a separation there uh, for marketing purposes. Right, that makes sense. Kelly, can you see the future? Everybody can. Uh, Let's think about this. What is time? What is the past? Uh, What is the present? What what is the future? Um, If you think about your God, there's a bubble surrounding you of everything that exists. You are capable of touching this place over here half of everything that exists at one time, all of it, uh, 14 points. Or you can take, uh, let's say, 100 events, put them in a row, uh, create a character inside your illusion that has to follow this path and have all of these experiences in a row uh, without being able to move forward or go backwards in this process. You have to just keep following for one, two, three, four, five, and you cannot uh, skip around. And that's how you as God create time, uh, by, by doing that. So you get outside of this thing called time when you get in the, co- in the concept of the God bubble, which is just accessing your imagination. And uh, from that place, what we're calling the past because you're looking at it from an avatar perspective where you can't get off this path while you're down here. Um, when, when you're up there, you'd say, oh, this uh, we'll say you're at level 30, and you want to access level 19. We would call that past. But you as God sit in the middle of the bubble and look up to the right and go, oh, there it is. It's that spot right there. And now we want to access the future, which has already been created, it's up there. It's, it's number 45. We're waiting to get to level 45. It's going to take a while to get there in the avatar. But you come from the perspective of the God bubble, and you go, oh, it's just right over here to the left. I can access that information over here to the left. So to you, from that position, there are no limits, and you can access anything without a do not enter sign. So if the future has already been created and you can access it that way, what happens to free will? And what happens with, to the ability? Many people who, who offer glimpses into others' futures, they call themselves psychics mm-hmm. or whatever, um, often mm-hmm. say that when they do that, it gives the person the opportunity to use their free will to actually alter it. That, that is the way that I look at it. Um, when you look from every dimension, it does look different, but you have all these timelines. 
all these potential timelines of everything that you as God created uh, in this space. So you start down in your experience in the avatar, you start down one of the timelines. Well, you're eating bad food. You're staying out late. You're drinking too much whiskey, all of that. You go to a psychic, and the psychic looks at the potential path, the potential timeline based on all the choices you've made up to, until that point. And she looks and she goes, oh, in two years you're going to have cancer. And so you have some choices here right. because this is where the free will comes in. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to eat right. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to exercise and all that stuff. And then you change the timeline. You're capable of changing the timeline. So when a, a psychic looks into the future and says this is going to happen, usually it's, you know, 90% of the time it does happen because people tend to never change. And they continue down the path that I, the psychic saw in the first place. Yeah, I think that's probably true of human nature. Uh, even when, they're, when they mm-hmm. see the consequence of their actions, that many times they're so ingrained mm-hmm. in those habits that they just will not change them. Yeah, and that's when I work with people on removing those. But the cool thing is when you've got something kind of stuck in the avatar, and you've got all the details and the drama and, and the colors, it's very difficult to do. It's kind of like creating a video game. You're playing the video game. The character in the video game cannot fly. It can go to the right, left, forward, and backwards, but it cannot fly. And it's you playing the game from the character inside the game trying to make this happen. You've, you've got to go up on a higher level to what is programming the game in the first place. And then you can change and allow the character to fly and make all those changes on a higher level. So when I work with people, we don't sit on a counselor's couch and whine about our problems. Uh, that just gets them stuck more. We go on a higher level where there are implants and there are programs uh, that people put in place. And there's all kinds of stuff uh, that's, that's keeping them uh, in, stuck in this. And they remove them on a higher level. And just remember, these are all visualization techniques, focusing techniques. You're God. You created everything. You just kind of temporarily got your awareness stuck in an avatar. And you uh, visualize some, some things. Uh, every time you visualize, you create something. Kelly, so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. t- tell me about your ability to alter people's minds. Oh, I don't really do that anymore. But you did? Uh, this is what, yeah, this is this is what, uh, when people uh, find out their awareness level is really high and they can read people's minds, uh, then, you know, <laughs> during my teenage years, this is kind of when it started, I'm like, I'm going to put thoughts in people's minds. I'm going to get them to do things. And then I found that I was really good at them. I could look into their eyes, and I don't know if you call it hypnotize, and, and people would be like, what just, just happened to me? So that's an ability that some people have. And then I guess the misuse uh, of, of that. And then you learn how the universe works. And some people call it karma. Uh, but you learn how the universe works when you do stuff like that. And, and then it's like, that's not fun anymore, getting anybody to do anything I want them to do. <laughs> That's not fun. You know, there's no challenge. So you go through a phase of doing that. A lot of people do. And then they kind of back out of it going, hey, you know, that, that just didn't feel good. I don't, you know, it's not really helping people. Yeah. 
Um, we have to go to break here in just a minute. Before we do, and when we come back, I want to start talking about remote viewing a little, in a little more detail. But before we go to break, mm-hmm. tell me what people can find. I know you kind of went over the two websites, but as far as services, as far as this training and these and, and helping people remove these blocks that are affecting the way they see mm-hmm. things, tell me what they can find on your website that will help them do that. Oh, yes, on kellycoffee.com. Um, I have a 30-day manifestation challenge uh, coming up on March the 23rd. We've got a morning and an evening class, and that's one of the best places uh, that they can get their hand held during the process and and purge all of these things. Now we have a bigger project involved with this, and at this point there's not a lot I can tell you. I can tell you a little bit. Um, there we have it written, and we are at the point of casting uh, for a reality show. Oh, wow. And it has something based on the 30-day manifestation challenge. So whoever gets in that, we they all sign non-disclosure agreements, and they are going to be uh, developing and helping uh, with this uh, reality show that's going to go out to millions of people and uh, help them to remove their blocks through a television show with 31 episodes. Wow. So this is, this is a really exciting a project in moving forward. Kelly, you mentioned even remote viewing the coronavirus. At what point did you recognize remote viewing as one of the tools in your toolbox? Uh, well, I, I guess I was born remote viewing because that's a part of, you know, seeing the future. Okay. It, it, it's remote viewing. And when I talk about remote viewing, uh, I'm talking about uh, like smelling when you get there and tasting and hearing and, and all. I work and I help to train some of the world's best psychics, and they come to me to in, improve what they do. So they all have different methods for if they're doing x-ray vision or looking inside of a person to, to diagnose. Uh, one of them was just feeling for cancer, almost like with an imaginary hand, and that's how he knew can- it was cancer, and he was very upset because he uh, didn't get it one time. You know, he missed it, uh, the, the cancer. Mm-hmm. He was very upset that that could have happened. So I helped him open up to, hey, while you're there, open your eyes and look. Listen. Is there any squishy sounds coming from it? Smell. What does cancer smell like? Uh, so I had him go through all of these senses and evaluate it, where he was able to see it uh, with all of his senses and not just with his hands. Because uh, everybody has a method of doing it. They kind of get stuck in. They don't try other ways of doing it. Some people might just get a knowledge download, but they never see. Some people see, but they never hear. So I help people to get the blocks out of the way so that they're able to remote view in real time with every sense. Like if they remote view in a cave, they can smell the mustiness. They can feel the cold. With an imaginary hand, they can touch the wall and feel how cold it is and how damp it is. That brings us to healing. Um, You also Mm -hmm. have in the past healed. How does healing work Mm -hmm. from an energy sense or a spiritual sense? Mm -hmm. Uh, The the, the New Age and other uh, practices 
their method of healing is basically, hey, let's manipulate all of the stuff in the body, which I taught people how to do over the years because I could do it and I could teach them easily. So I taught them how to shrink tumors and change the energy field of the pancreas and all of this stuff. We did that over time. Wow. And over four years ago, uh, when I discovered the God bubble, if you want to think of it that way, it was like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. The reason that the illness is there in the first place is something has been pulled in there that's inappropriate and should not be there. And instead of lining it up and balancing it and, and all that, let's find out why you pulled it in there. And it's usually an emotion that you're holding in. So you let go of the emotion. And we use the God bubble as a focusing technique. Oh, remove it. Go to that place called imagination. Look at the size, shape, and color. If you don't see it, make it up. You're in the God bubble. There's no rules. So uh, you remove the color, remove the placeholder. Uh, All of this is just a visualization and a focusing technique. That's all this is. And you put everything in that God bubble. The God bubble in your mind kind of knows more than you do when you're stuck in your avatar. So whatever you remove, should you transmute it? Should you send it off in Sector 9? Does it need to be destroyed? Does it need to be returned because you removed something you shouldn't? When you, when you uh, give that to the God bubble, you can trust it and know that it's, it's going to do the right thing. And now when you have your energy field clear, you, instead of adding to, there are some practices out there. It's like remove something and replace it with good thoughts, whatever. And I'm looking at that. It's like a surgeon is, is doing surgery on your stomach. You've got a tumor in there. And they take the tumor out and go, well, crap, there's a big hole there. Does anybody have anything to stuff in this hole before we sew this person back up? You know, that makes just about as much sense as removing something and putting something back in there. Good grief. Uh, it's, it's in there and it's not supposed to be. Take it out and then it's allowing process. Allow your energy field. Allow the energy of your lungs. Uh, allow all of this stuff just to go back to uh, natural, normal, factory settings, healing itself on its own. And that's how people heal. And that's why I get a lot of terminally ill people. I do not charge for someone who has an end date from their doctor. I don't charge for that. And every person that I've worked with except for one, and he kind of came in too late and then had a brain aneurysm uh, in the middle of all of it. But everybody else I have worked with that had two weeks to live, six weeks to live, uh, three months to live, they're all still alive. Wow. And they heal themselves. And the 30-day manifestation challenge, there was a lady that I'm going to talk about, uh, and she's going to come on there. I'm going to interview her on my show. She came into the 30-day manifestation challenge with cancer. She had been diagnosed four months before that, not knowing what to do. She takes the course. And then on the last week, she was tested for cancer, and it was negative. So this is the kind of stuff that people are capable of doing simply by letting go and allowing things to function the way that they were meant to function originally. Wow. Um, I mean, that's that's powerful stuff. Um, and, and you say you actually, I think the word you used in, in, in some of your uh, um, writings is that you love working with terminally ill people. Um, that must be an amazingly mm-hmm. powerful relationship to have with somebody that you know has been given that diagnosis and to work with them to, for them to figure out how to beat those odds. That must be quite powerful. Well, uh, the, the reason I like working with them is 
is a lot of people don't want to let go of stuff because it's like it might be inconvenient. I might cry and mess up my mascara. You know, these are the reasons that people don't work through their issues. I don't want to be uncomfortable for five minutes. So someone that's dying and they want to live, they will do every single thing that I say. They will do it, and they will do it all day long. And their tumors shrink very fast uh, and, and immediate. I've been working with uh, one for a new terminally ill person uh, with lymphoma, and I've been working with him for a week. And I let him set his schedule. You know, I don't charge him any money. He tells me when he would like to see me. And this last week, um, he had a bunch of lumps, like visual lumps from this. And he said the lumps have already started going down. Wow. In one week, just simply because he's letting go, and it makes sense to him, what? and his body is healing itself. Do you talk to any of these folks on an ongoing basis once they've turned that corner? And I'm, I'm most curious as to what their medical professionals say for uh, you know, <laughs> to them after they've they've beaten such odds. I mean, they've got they, there must be some comment from the medical professionals that attend to these people. They must be amazed. Mm-hmm. The the people that heal themselves suddenly becomes very unimportant yeah. for their their physician to know or care or whatever. Just completely un, unimportant because they know it worked. They're not. They don't even care about their their physician's limitations. But I've seen all kinds of reactions from uh, from physicians when it happens. Uh, from uh, like, oh, it's a complete and total miracle. It had nothing to do with anything you did. Right. It was just. Spontaneous. That would that would be or, the, that would be the reaction I would expect. But what what else did they say? Uh, uh-huh. Um, we test the tests were wrong. Mm, okay. <laughs> and you really you really didn't have cancer. Um, they probably made a mistake in the lab. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean that so, in yeah, itself they're... is awfully scary. <laughs> if they think that making those kinds of mistakes is possible, that's kind of scary in itself. Um, exactly. I, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's powerful stuff. You um, did you have a vision of the nine eleven attacks? Do I remember that correctly? Uh, the 9-11, uh, there was something going on there. I saw it before it happened. Yeah. Uh, it started in, I'm so sorry, I forgot the year, maybe 1993. I'm sorry, 93, 92. It was around Christmas. Uh, there was a plane that was hijacked in London. And the, the hijack, and I knew how, it was, how many people were going to die and, and all of that. But I saw something very strange. I saw it crashing, but in a, a weird way, and I couldn't put my finger on it because at the time, you didn't have the concept of people running airplanes into buildings. It, it just it didn't make any sense. So um, that thing fixed itself. This uh, the terrorists were shot. They did not, uh, you, you know, uh, take the plane and run it into uh, buildings. Uh, so that was an attempt there. And then I guess the nine eleven, it, it was like. I was seeing all of this stuff happen that I didn't understand because I'd never seen anybody take an airplane and fly it into a building. So I was seeing it as an airplane crash, but something bigger than that. And, it, and I struggled uh, to, to put words to it. So, yeah, I, I saw that. I saw the planning and, and, and all so that wow. that was incredible. Yeah, that was stressful. That is that is incredible. I want to go back to your near death experience again because another thing you say about that is that you saw traps that were used after death to capture people. What do you mean by that? Well, um, I I saw how 
the different religions that kind of direct you, oh, this is what happens when you die. This is the thing that happened. And I, and I saw them going into places that were basically prisons or traps. Um, the, the Christians would go into these boxes, and it was so full that they had almost like these rectangular extra um like you've got temporary buildings around the school when you suddenly have too many students, you know, one year. But that's kind of what it looked like. So I saw how some of these religions would have people believing a certain thing where they would direct them after they died to a certain place to go back into their cage. Do you mean that when they're alive, they're taught these things, so after they die, they try to follow that path and it it puts them into a, it traps them basically. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. That that's what I saw, and this encouragement uh, to go into you know a type of tunnel and, and be trapped. Um, I I remote viewed in this reality uh, what happens when a person dies, and I see the soul and spirit. The soul kind of looks like an egg with a bunch of colors in it, and the spirit is like this white light stick that's about six feet tall, roughly maybe 10 inches wide, uh, that powers that powers it. So I saw this going to the moon, and the moon had this kind of like a tube structure that was jutting out of it, and this soul and the spirit went into that. And then uh, inside of the moon, it was almost like this big cavern or a big cave that almost looked like a stomach, like you were in the stomach of something. And and uh, what happened immediately is the soul, that egg part, got stripped off of the of, of the light stick and put and put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I followed the light stick and it got stored somewhere else. So it was like a, a reincarnation type thing. And that technology I see repeated when we remote view Area 54. Uh, it's it's a that's one of the scariest places on the planet that I remote view. Uh, you got I saw mainly men, so it looked kind of like a military thing with men only. Mm-hmm. And you had these beings that were like very tall grays with double hemisphere type heads, and they were sitting in like a theater in the round with this guy uh, in, in the middle strapped down, and you saw his spirit uh, through their technology. It was a combination of technology and something to do with their minds together uh, were able to get the spirit and soul out of this man and put it, sometimes they would store it, uh, sometimes they would put it in another um, avatar or clone or whatever you whatever you call it. So that's where there's a lot of alien experimentation that I see going on, oh, where wow. aliens are allowed to experiment on humans. All right, so I have two questions about aliens then. First of all, one is if, if I mean, you've just acknowledged that you believe aliens and you exist and you've seen them through your remote viewing, are aliens um, basically the same souls that we are, just in different bodies from a different planet? Um, the the aliens are on, I guess, a higher level and part of the management of the experience that we're having here in this awareness. Ultimately, you're God and you created every character in this, including the aliens. <laughs> so you're having an experience through them. Uh, but you express yourself in these different beings on different levels. And some beings don't have a soul 
or this this uh, concept. There's a lot of beings out there that do have a soul. If it's a non-human soul, it tends to be shaped kind of strangely, like tall and long or really, really tiny and round. <laughs> and so there are a lot of entities or beings. I don't know what to call them, interdimensional beings, extraterrestrials. Um, you know, what, what do we call anything? Well, which are they? Some which are they? Are they, are they interdimensional or are they, and I hate to use extraterrestrial because that would apply to anything. Are they interdimensional or are they from another physical planet that we, you know, we not in our solar system, but somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Do we uh, know? When, when I look at how the structure of the universe is laid out, there's a bunch of layers. Uh, you can call it reality bubbles. And, and sometimes these entities are able to exist in your reality bubble or dimension or frequency uh, at the same time. Some of these, like a like a lenticular craft that could be in the third, fourth, and fifth dimension uh, at one time, you have beings that are capable of, without technology, uh, existing or appearing in these. Then they would get in a technology like a Merkaba, a toroidal field, a sphere, and they could go physically from their dimension while being protected in that bubble, uh, go from a dimension through dimension through dimension through dimension in, in this protected state. So I, I see all kinds of stuff out there uh, when I remote view. Most of the time I don't know what to name them or how to classify them. Through yeah, everything. yeah. One of the things you've also done, speaking of aliens, is you've helped people uh, empower themselves to remove alien implants. Is that something you've done? Um, yes. When I remote view uh, babies, like in a mother's stomach, I see that there's already four implants that are already there. <laughs> and uh, in, in, in uh, every baby, mm-hmm. in every baby, or just. Well, just the ones I've seen. Okay. You know, I've not looked at every baby on this planet. But every baby, uh, just, you've, every baby you've looked at has these implants in them, in them? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I, I see the implants in there, but not the chakras. So the chakras I see is an implant that stays outside the body. And as you have experiences that the, the governance of this reality wants you to have, then a chakra, like self-activating software, it activates. It creates a toroidal field inside of the physical body, uh, in all dimensions, I guess. And this toroidal field really disrupts the flow of energy inside of the body. Um, we, and that, that's, a, that's everybody's favorite implant, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. But scientists will argue about how long the human body is capable of living, 3,500 years you know, or, or more. When you have a chakra system in place, that the toroidal fields are inside the physical body. Like here's one in the lungs. That's supposed to be lung energy. Stomach, that's supposed to be stomach energy. And you've got something else in there. We all have that, well, I call it a spirit stick. It's that white light. The chakra system feeds off of that white light. That's, that's what keeps it going. Mm-hmm. So when pe- people remove their chakras, they have a huge relief. And they might be hit by a bus tomorrow, but they have the potential then of living a really long time when they get everything out of their body that's not supposed to be there in the factory settings. This is all very fascinating. It, when when you talk about being God ourselves, we are, we are our God, or we are God, um, and you talk about an avatar. Let's let's strip that away. Let's say the avatar and the technology is gone. What are we at the core? Mm-hmm. 
um, you are the potential to be something. And then let's just say in three-dimensional terms, you got bored and lonely just sitting there to be the potential all the time. So your first act of creation was like, and you create this bubble or a toroidal field, if you want to look at it that way. And you create all the stuff on the surface. You create black light with all the colors, white light, golden light. And you as God put your perspective, if you will, in, into this reality that you created to experience it and to watch yourself experiencing it. Hmm. So it's basically limitless potential. Absolutely. When you get in that God bubble, there's no rules. When you're in the matrix, you better make sure that your equations are balanced or you're going to have a problem. We're going to run out of... I'm sorry, we're going to run out of time here. I want to give you an opportunity once again to give us a little more information about the 30-Day Manifestation Challenge. You've touched on it a couple times, but what is it? Who Who is it important for? I mean, who would who would benefit mostly from being a part of this, and how do they get involved? Well, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, anybody that wants to achieve anything in, in life, do you want to have the ability to just get out of your house and talk to other people? Do you want to be the top salesperson uh, at, at work, do you want to get rid of this cancer? Uh, do you want to get control of your emotions? So it's, whatever you're attempting to achieve or trying to achieve in life, uh, this will work. It goes through 30 days. I call it my everything class. I teach you everything I know and how to do it from x-ray vision to uh, creating organs inside your body, healing, reading minds, controlling minds, remote viewing. We, we do it all in this class, and every day we spend an incredible amount of time actually purging, letting go, and getting rid of things, and manifesting. Uh, it's insane the stuff that people manifest when they realize that they're creating their reality then it is just so easy when you when you know how the universe works. It's easy to manifest. The manifestation technique that I teach is from the uh, level of the God bubble. So think about this and why the law of attraction is so limiting. You have to believe you are the avatar for the law of attraction to work. But you're God. You're in the center. You create uh, this this big uh, bubble around you, and. Uh, you uh, you manifest, you create from nothing. You create this simply by feeling it. And then it's created. And now that it is in your creation, now it is subject to the law of attraction. So you get a double benefit from almost effortless work of just sitting in a wonderful emotion. And it works and it's incredibly powerful. And... I mean, it sounds it sounds quite amazing. And is this part of the the free workshop? Is that separate? It's separate, and the free workshop is kind of like a prepping for it, so you know exactly what to do to be prepared uh, for the thirty day manifestation challenge. And if they write to Kelly at kellycoffee.com, dot uh, com, just ask for the coupon code, and you get the two hundred fifty dollars workshop for free. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is, this is really exciting, and in that workshop. I'm going to tell them for free every step, everything on how to manifest. So then after that, they can go on their own. Most people have a hard time being disciplined, and they kind of are scared. They want someone to hold their hands in the process. So then they go through the 30-day manifestation challenge after that. But I still give the information for free. 
there it is. Mm. Um, sounds great. And again, that's at your website, kellycoffee.com, right? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, we're out of time. I, I, I hope you feel better. Sounds like you feel okay, but you're still just struggling with with, with the loss of voice there. But uh, hopefully it all, yeah, all it, rectifies Yeah, it affected itself. my vocal cords. I lost the vocal cords and <laughs> all of this. So that's well, probably why it sounds so terrible. Well, Kelly, it's been a wonderful time. I really appreciate you being with us tonight. Look forward thank to having you. you back, and best of luck with everything. Thank you so much for having me on. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.